Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show, The Haunting of Hill House. Today we'll be covering the first episode from Netflix TV series, The Haunting of Hill House, titled, Steve Sees a Ghost. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to talk about this episode, Sean. We were just talking about how excited we were just before we hit record, so... Um, you want to give me your general thoughts? How, how many times did you jump? Oh man. I, so I watched it late at night in my office on my laptop, which is kind of how <laughs> I watch a lot of these shows just so I don't interrupt anybody. And mm-hmm. first off there's, you know, crying kids at the beginning and I've got my own little kid that cries every now and then. So I was half expecting to hear some crying <laughs> come from the other room. Um, I have headphones in, which for one, I've got noise cancellation headphones. Oh, no. So when you, whenever I'm watching scary things, typically I have to either have one out or I keep one kind of poked out halfway. <laughs> and this one definitely with some of the stuff that happens, I kind of had my headphones a little ways from my ear. Uh, but I love the storytelling of this. It felt very much like uh, I'm a huge Richard Matheson fan. Mm-hmm. He wrote um, – so he did things like uh, The Last – well, it was The Last Man on Earth, I think was the movie, but – it is uh um oh shit why did it just slip my head um I am legend mm-hmm. uh, he did the famous um there's something on the plane um Twilight Zone episode um he's done a lot of great stuff and he had a a, a book called um oh fuck uh, Hell House which is kind of like a bunch of people go in they're investigating this house so kind of not really the same as this but it definitely has that kind of storytelling feel to me so I'm all Mm -hmm. in on this I love the storytelling so I'm super excited to jump in on it I know I'm really excited to jump into our top five and really take a look at this one Um, so with that being said let's start off with our top five I'll start this week my number five is just Hill House in general the whole setting and and of the house. Um, I love, love uh, the beautiful detail of the house itself. I mean, just looking at it from the outside, I love these big, like gothic style yes, yeah, I was type just houses. Say gothic. I know, isn't it amazing? I'm just, you know, and, and you just know looking at it from the outside, there's going to be all of these wonderful, you know, uh, like hidden rooms somewhere mm-hmm. or the, all these beautiful details. You know, they just don't quite make houses like that anymore. So I was super intrigued to see this house and get kind of get to explore it through the show. Um, because I mean, the, the, the house, even on this first episode, I feel is, is definitely a character in of itself. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, it is its own character. It could be like the main character, maybe, um, if I should be so bold to say that, but I love all the intricate details, the doorknobs shaped like lion heads. I'd love that. I think that's a great little detail. The beautiful woodwork throughout the stained glass windows. You know, you turn a corner and you see these stained glass windows, you know, um, it's just a nice little surprise. And I really think that this house in of itself is just a really perfect setting for this incredible story of a family haunted by trauma and by ghosts. So it's just exactly what you would expect. Anytime, you know, you think of like these spooky, scary stories, you know, you kind of have a picture in your head of this type of house and this one really fits the bill. So kudos to whomever, you know, I don't know. I need to look up maybe some details. I didn't yet for this episode um, to begin, but I would really love to look this up and see where this house is, who owns it, 
can I live there? <laughs> so that's what I was just gonna ask. So like, you know, there's there's a lot of like big houses in the town I'm from. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's just because it was a, a prosperous like during this time frame, but like there's a there's a set of streets where like there's just big big old houses, mm-hmm. and I I love looking like they all have really good woodwork. Like you said, they're just beautiful looking places. They're awesome to look into. They give you like you can just feel the history when you walk through them. Yes, you know, they just give off like this vibe of like uh, the things that I've seen, the people that have come through here. Yeah, and. I've never been a fan of wanting to stay in any of those places <laughs> because, you know, when you when there's a house that's been up for 200 plus years, you know, there's probably been some things in there that yeah. you don't want to come knocking on your door at 303 in the morning and waking you up. Yeah, there's so, sometimes not such a great history to some of those houses. Yeah, but, but yeah. you're saying, would you want to live in one of those places or are you kind of? You know, I mean, if if it was... If I had to see things like at least what we're seeing so far from episode one, would I want to live there? Nah, maybe probably not. Um, not without a lot of sage. <laughs> I don't know if there's enough sage in the world for that house. But I would, I would, I would want to stay a weekend. If, if I had people with me, I wouldn't want to do it by myself. I'm not that brave. And I have been in places. I mean, I, I don't like to talk too much about my experiences. People are going to think I'm crazy, and I really don't care. I'm too old to really give a shit about what people think about me anymore. I have seen what I've seen. I've heard what I've heard. I don't like to go into a lot of detail, but I've spent some summers uh, with um, uh, family that have had some questionable happenings in houses that um, have scared the living daylights out of me, and it's happened more than once. So I have mm. enough enough things that I've seen and heard in my lifetime to be respectful of of those types of homes. Um, but I would totally dig it for a weekend if if I had some other brave folks with me. What about you? Would would you don't think that you uh, would? I always give like so any new house I've ever stayed in because uh, the very first house I ever bought and owned. I stayed there for the first time by myself, and it wasn't like an old, old house. Like it was like twenty years old, so it didn't have a ton of history. But like, there's always that fear whenever I've because I've only bought two houses in my life. I've moved like three or four times. Mm -hmm. Every time I stay in a house for the first time, like I always have that thought of like, okay, give it three or four days, and let's see if it's haunted. (laughs) Because that's the fear. Like you, you hear the door slam, or you hear something happen. You're like, fuck! I just, I just signed the lease on this place, and it's haunted. You need to have like a little addendum to your contract. Yeah. Um, can, if haunting can, occurs in 30 p- days, I get the... We can renege out of this contract. Yeah, I yeah. can leave. Speaking as a former realtor, there are some crazy things I've seen in contracts. I don't know if I've ever seen that one before, but um, I, I might have to have that listed. Like if any weird shit happens in the first month, I'm out of here and I cannot be held accountable um, and you can't sue me. So <laughs> yeah, you don't want any like Amityville horror type scenarios coming up. So oh my gosh, I'm telling you, you know, I don't believe in everything, but I've like I said, I've seen enough stuff that um, I don't know. But it, I, I think that house is just beautiful. So I just have a true appreciation for design and architecture, and I think it's just beautiful and stunning and uh, awesome. So that's my number five is Hill House. I like it. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a very very beautiful house. Um, so for my number five, I kind of – it's more – I title it really just the jump scares and the loud parts. So like I mm-hmm. mentioned before, you know, this show really has a tone to it. And it – I don't hate this because – well, I, I'm i not a big fan of loud noises, I guess. Uh-huh. And especially, like I said, when I got headphones in and I'm sitting in my room at the middle of the night all by myself, 
you know, I hate like the screaming and the scaring and the jump stuff like that. Mostly just because I'm a big sissy. Yeah, but me too. They they do the very you know old school style scary movie like you know seven sixties seventies haunting type movies where you know what's coming you know mm-hmm. like the, the slow crescendo um, I do like that um, even in the scary parts you see something happening in the background mm-hmm. so it's not like a cheap jump scare um, you you get built up to it you know I'm thinking of you know when um, Steven's sister shows up. You know, yes. you, you see her there and you, you know she's slowly opening her mouth. And like everything that's talked about in this episode, you know there's going to be some loud, creepy noise coming out. Yeah. And so you're anticipating it. So like I said, I could pull my earbuds out and <laughs> not pee my pants. Uh, but I really, you know, I liked a lot of that stuff was in there. And I hope they keep up with that. Um, it seems like a very mature show. So instead of it being like, you know, the run-of-the-mill scary movie where there's like, oh, my God, jump scare. Oh, my God, jump scare. I'm hoping that they put those in well and they don't become too cheap, you know, because I don't want to be scared because something jumped out. You know, I want to be scared right. because of, you know, a psychological fear more so than like a, a, you know, fight or flight type of response. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel, I mean, I'm I'm kind of a, a, a wuss myself on some things. Like I can get scared pretty easily, but I continue to keep watching things that scare the shit out of me. And I've grown up on, I mean, I've talked plenty on our podcast before about how much I've grown up on scary movies since I was like five poltergeist nightmare on Elm street all of them exorcist you know at a very young age and ever since then I've so I feel like I can kind of predict some things that come but even even though this show so you have little young Nell sleeping on the couch because she's scared of the bent neck lady she wakes up and opens her eyes and all you see is her Mm. but you know from the expression on her face you know what's above her and you know what you're getting ready to see, but somehow, at least in my experience with it, I was not quite prepared for it. I still, when it when you see her face and you see her scared reaction, I was like, uh-uh, I know what's there. I know what's <laughs> happening. But for some reason still, when it goes to that and you see her, the bent neck lady hovering right over her, mm-hmm. um, over the couch, I still jumped and was like, ah! <laughs> you know, I was like, fuck that. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, time to, time to turn this off and turn on something happy, some cat videos or something because uh, I, I'm wussing out here. So I, I feel like that even though I could kind of I know that something is getting ready to happen again uh, now when she's in Steven's apartment and, you know, she's starting to like slowly open her mouth. She's going to be screaming. I know it still scared the shit out of me. So there's something about this show. I don't know what golden touch it seems to have with me anyway. It still manages to to give me a good scare that I can love and appreciate. Not cheesy yet. So, yeah, let's hope it holds out. Yeah, it feels very grounded. I mean, it feels like all these things feel like real things. You know, like mm-hmm. I think of when he jumps in and he, he's investigating that lady's house. Uh, Steven mm-hmm. is, you know, about her husband that she saw. Yeah. And, you know, like you could easily make that like, oh, my God, there's another ghost right there. Yeah. But, you know, he, he looks at it, he's like, you know, this is this is just a thing. Like, you know, you have a leak in your roof and a stop sign's missing. Yeah. All very logical. She could have actually seen her husband. Yeah. He's not really saying I guess he's he's saying that that's probably not what happened, but you know, he wasn't visible to that. And mm-hmm. I love that you know you start out with this and I guess this might be jumping too far ahead maybe, but no. you know, he mentions like I've never seen a ghost. Like I've never seen any of these things. And that's kind of right at the beginning of the the episode and at the end he's seen a ghost and it's his I sister. I know. 
Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I agree. And that's a good lead into my number four. Let's just talk about Stephen a little bit. So, you know, I I can really appreciate that. He wasn't exactly, I don't think, trying to tell, um, and I forget her name, her character name. I didn't have it written down. But, um, you know, it's not like he was really trying to say, oh, well, what you're seeing doesn't exist. But there's there could be a logical explanation for it because he didn't experience what she did. You know, he tried to kind of recreate it. He slept in the room, slept in her bed, you know, and tried to kind of, you know, he's recording everything. It's like he's welcoming the experience, but he's just like, well, it just didn't happen for me. Doesn't mean it didn't for you. um, But here's a logical explanation that this could be it. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't just jump to that. And I can appreciate that. I, I would, I'm, like I said, I don't just believe ghosts are everywhere because of, of certain things, but I do realize that there could be a logical explanation for why your door is swinging open or shut or, you know, why things, you know, other things happen that there, there can be an actual explanation for that. But I, I, I did like the introduction of Steven. He's the oldest child out of the bunch that, that we get the, exposed to. I thought his sister was the oldest. He's actually the oldest. I know that okay. she made the comment when she was arguing with him on the phone. Um, and she's like, oh, well, I know I'm the oldest and that's why everything gets dumped on me. Um, oh, wait, that's you. Never mind or whatever. I and yeah, he's he's actually the oldest. Um, so he's the oldest crane child. We are introduced to him um, in this episode. I feel like even though we kind of got introduced a little bit to all the children, this was kind of his episode. And I feel like that's probably where we're going to go. And in fact, since I have seen a couple of episodes, I'll just confess that now to everyone who doesn't already know I have already seen a couple of episodes. I'm going to like do my best not to like spoil anything and focus on just this episode or not what happens after this. Um, the ghost is actually the maintenance man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a scooby episode. <laughs> yeah. But um, I feel like we're going to be getting some centric episodes on each crane child here. So this one we get Steven. Um, we find out he wrote a book, which was mm. kind of interesting. It's called The Haunting on Hill House. So, but we find out that this book is not like he didn't see ghosts. We find that out. He's in, which is kind of weird to think, right? Why wasn't, yeah. I mean, all the other kids we find seem to be experiencing, or at least uh, we know Nell does. I think, yeah, Nell seems Abigail. like she's definitely seen something. Theodore yeah. was too young. Uh, Lucas Luke, though is seeing. He's seen something. Yeah. All of his drawings were really creepy. Yeah. I um, think he's seeing a little girl in the garden or something. If he's surely, drawing pictures. Surely I'm not too clear on. I mean, she does work in a funeral home or own a funeral home. Yeah. And she seems kind of odd and off, but it doesn't seem like I we haven't really seen anything that says that she saw anything yet. Right. But we do know that there are some experiences happening. Um, and at least we know about Nell and and Luke that they're experiencing things. Um but he doesn't seem to experience anything, which is kind of surprising considering the house that they live in and its history. Um, so he writes this book and he takes, he's taken his siblings experiences and put them in this book and they're pissed off about it. They don't like it. They feel like he's, um, you know, it, they feel like it's like blood money and they won't accept any money from him. And I don't know, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, what do you think the take is on that? Do you think Uh, he was right for writing that book or it's, it's a tough situation because, I mean, I'm guessing he's coming at it from, like, a work of fiction. Mm-hmm. But it's close enough to the truth that, obviously, like, you know, he, 
Shirley made it sound like he made their mom out to be like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And with him not knowing like there was these ghosts or there's this weird stuff, like he's he's just knows everything from the tabloids. And he's a, a struggling writer as is. He's barely making ends meet. And he's like, I, I got an advance for this story. Because I'm guessing the the haunting on Hill House was a big story. You know, right. apparently this was a known thing that his family had something happen. Yeah, this incident that we'll I, I plan on talking about in more detail later. But yes, there's an incident that's happened and it became famous, I guess. And, and I mean, in his mind, it was just it's probably something that the the media and everybody's overblown. Like he thinks it's just like, you know, their mom, you know, had something happen. She had mental issues. She committed suicide and their father was trying to protect them from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his younger sisters and stuff were, they've already got other issues. It was just that on top of, you know, their mother's suicide. And so it's like, okay, why not exaggerate the story, make some money and I can help the family. I can actually buy a house. I can get people, you know, get my family in the, you know, going in the right direction. And, uh-huh. you know, it's, I mean, I, I'm torn on it too. I see both sides, really. I mean, yeah, the dude's trying to make a living. That's what he does, and he's trying to make a living. And if he's not making money writing other stuff, and this is, I don't know. I can kind of see it both ways. I see the, I see his sibling side. They're pissed. This horrific tragedy happened in their family, and they feel like he's making money off of it. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, we should, we can use it to help the family. You know, because it seems like the family's kind of a damn mess. A lot of them. I yeah. mean, you know, Stephen doesn't seem to be be so great. He's he's married, but he's separated from his wife. Mm-hmm. We don't know why. Um, we know Shirley's got the funeral home. They she seems somewhat stable, but I feel like there's something more to that. Um, she seems I, empty. Like even when she's yeah. talking to that kid, and I mean, most people, most people I've talked to that run funeral homes, there, there's always something kind of off about them. Anyway, you got to um, kind of have a kind of a special personality, I think, to run a funeral home and be a mortician. (laughs) It's one of those things, like, you deal with, like, families at their worst moments of their life, and, yeah, I mean, at some point, you're going to become numb to it. I remember the last funeral I was at, I was a pallbearer for, and uh, the guy who was running it was telling us what to do, and he was so, like, methodical and so, like, Mm -hmm. uh, just cold about what you needed to do, Mm -hmm. and it's like, I mean... Like, this is a family member to us, guy. Like, could you show so a tiny cold. bit of emotion? Yeah. And he wasn't doing it on purpose. I mean, it's just like, hey, this is what you need to do. It's it's kind of like, it's, you know, like somebody running your wedding. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, can you be excited? Like, this is my wedding. And it's like, listen, I do like 30 of these a month. Like, it's, I, I, this is just what I can give you. Right. Um, could also just be if you're surrounded by death all the time, maybe that's just a way of like distancing yourself to keep it yeah. like from weighing da- weighing you down. I feel like if, for me, if I was like surrounded by that all the time and, and surrounded by families who are emotional and upset and crying, that that probably weighs on you, like you take yeah. that with you. So maybe it's a way to kind of distance yourself just a little bit from it, you know, so you don't have that on you. You don't mm-hmm. want to take it away with you. That's just, I don't know anyone. No, who I, runs I completely home. It's just agree. And a, a guess. Um, I mean, but, I've been to some like visitations and stuff that I'm not like, I don't really know the person, but maybe I know one of their, you know, so I know somebody that's there because of that. And, you know, when people talk about that and you see the emotions, like I break down because it's like, Oh my yeah. God, like somebody lost somebody that they loved and cared about. I know. I, I'm, I'm totally the same way. But after you deal with like, you know, 40 of those in a month, you 
you probably get cold to it. It's like, okay, this is like the the 16th time I've cried. It's going to start getting easier and easier for you, and it just becomes a job, I guess, to an extent. Yeah. Um, Did you ever watch Six Feet Under? I did. I think I might have watched the first episode. We got to get you on that, Sean. That was really good. You want to talk about life in a funeral home. Um, That's Mm. a fantastic series. Folks, if you haven't watched Six Feet Under, I've talked about it before. Go watch it. Anyway, we kind of digressed a little bit. Well, that was my number four. That's I just kind of um, tied into what you were, since you were already talking about Steven, that just kind of went into my number four, was we get this introduction. We see all the Crane kids. We see them when they're younger, see them when they're older. Uh, but this one kind of centers a little bit more around Steven, so I thought it was a great introduction to uh, one of the first uh, kids and you know, kind of learn a little bit more about him and what's going on with him. I think there's still some more things we don't know. But I like it so far. Did you know that this character, oh gosh, I don't have his name in front of me. I'm going to be embarrassed. He uh, was Dario Nahuzman? Yes, he's Dario uh, Naharis, the second Dario Naharis oh, nice. in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I was pumped. Did not catch that. Oh, I did. Like right, I was like, "Oh my god, why uh, do I know him?" And the glasses threw me off. He was wearing um, well, he has shorter hair too, doesn't he? Yes, his hair's slightly shorter because it's a little bit longer. It's got that, you know, kind of Game of Thrones medieval yeah. looking, you know, scruffy look. He was Dario was a little scruffy, um, but yeah, I saw him like, my God, why do I know him? And it was the glasses that threw me off, and I had to look him up. Like, uh, like I paused it immediately. I couldn't even keep on watching. <laughs> I had to pause it immediately. IMDb this guy, and I was like, I knew it. It was Dario. So. Yeah, it had me hooked right away. Yeah, as IMDb, he's got a little bit longer wavier hair and a beard, like a fuller beard. I can I can see it there now. Yeah. Nice. The beard. The beard gets me every time. Anyway, sorry. Getting off track just a little bit. What's your number four? All right, so my number four uh, is just going to be, uh, it's the style of at least this episode. I hope it carries through. One of my favorite things is, it's kind of like, I guess you can almost call it like a Quentin Tarantino style, mm. where I guess... Quentin Tarantino kind of does this from the end to the begin and kind of filters through to the beginning. But I like whatever you see, uh, you know, flashbacks and flash forwards, very much like the it TV series back in the day. Yeah. You know, you get the, you get a little bit of what's going on then you get a little bit of what's going on now and you kind of piece the story together all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to be really fitting for this because, you know, you jump into this, there's a lot of kids. There's what the six kids all together, five, I think um, there's there's Steven. One, two, three. I think there's five. There's Steven, Shirley, Luke, Shirley Theodore. Theodora. No. Yeah, yeah, so five. Um, so you have five kids. All of them seem like they're very big characters in themselves. Each one's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to kind of see, okay, like, like if you just jumped in to say, like, oh, okay, here's you know episode one. You know, Shirley is uh, you know kind of in a weird spot. She's living in hotels. Luke's a drug addict. Theodore loves ladies. Um, <laughs> You know, you'd be like, wow, (laughs) this is a really weird family. But if you cut that in with like, oh, my God, like, why is Nell so messed up? Well, Mm -hmm. if you had a bit neck lady looking over you as you slept, you'd be kind of creeped out, too. And Luke, it's like, oh, my God, why is he such a drug addict? It's like, oh, well, I mean, if you saw some crazy, like, weird things in a garden, you'd probably have some issues, too. Uh, And so it's just kind of neat to see that build up to be able to give each of these characters context and you kind of grow with them. It's like you're investigating as this goes. Um, So I'm really hoping this continues throughout the the season. Uh, And, you know, it just kind of builds up to the end. Because, again, what I love about TV shows that do this is you get to like episode nine and ten. 
or you know, you get to like the last two episodes of the, the TV series, and like each of the pieces is giving you just both like, oh my god, it's like on the tip of my tongue. I think I got it figured it out. And they'll throw in some weird thing at the you know the end of either the beginning or the end of the or the then or the now, and you're like, oh god, everything I thought was wrong. And it all just comes if it's done well, it all comes together you know beautifully at the very end. And mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping happens here. I I think it's going to go really well. I I like that myself. I thought it was interesting when we started it out. It said Hill House, then yeah. So you're like, oh, okay, so we're going in the past. Something this is something that's already happened. So we get the introduction to the young kids, uh, and and the parents and stuff. Um, and then you know then we get present day. So I, I really like that. I do think it was it worked and it was fairly seamless. And I think it's so important to see that contrast because clearly what happened then you can see how that's impacted them now this family is really messed up they they all seem really close for the most part uh then when they were young kids they all seemed like a good family unit good strong stable parents that loved each other and uh you know these kids all seem to have be pretty close and have their you know good relationships and then you look at them now and they all seem pretty distant yeah. they don't talk very much they're all pissy or they're all pissed off at steven uh like i said luke's a drug addict and you know they're all kind of fed up with him and theodore seems like you know we haven't quite figured her out just yet but you know she seems to have some issues with the you know she's kind of like like a germaphobe kind of thing yeah you know yeah she's kind of got her issues kicking that girl out sweet girl you know um out of her bed and i'm like dude just let her stay the night you know she seems cool yeah um morning sex is good too it is (laughs) (laughs) um and their sister yeah surely she seems you know like okay she's probably dealing with some stuff too you can see she's got some issues with her siblings and theodora says herself she tells shirley when they're outside talking after that girl leaves and she goes when they're talking about Nell, she said she's got one foot in crazy and the other on a banana yeah, peel i thought uh, that was a really good line yeah really good and is pretty accurate for probably uh, most people <laughs> but um, yeah. so yeah clearly i think because something has happened to this family we know that there's this incident that's happened and whatever this trauma that they've experienced living in the house. And then whatever happened that night that we see later on in the episode clearly has defined them as people. So I think it's really great to see how that was then. So we get pieces of it, how it's affected them as adults today and how they're dealing with it, or maybe not dealing with it. I like it. It's working so far. I do like those cuts and it's nice surprising because you think you're here in the adult world and then you jump back to when they're kids and back. Yeah, and yeah. It works. Um, I'm also kind of excited too because like the new It that came out, um, mm-hmm. so like a lot of the kids were like in the early 80s. So I, it's it's a little bit before my time, so I'm not, I can't really relate to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this show, like Luke, Luke I think is about my age uh, because he's sleeping there on his bed and guess what? He's got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pillow. I don't know <gasps> I if you saw that or not. didn't even notice. Yeah, I feel I, so I bad. that pretty quick. Um, so, you know, this has to take place like maybe late 80s, early 90s. So definitely like I feel like this is something kind of relatable to me at that time. Frame. Like I, I can definitely put myself in these kids' shoes. Yeah. Although with this house and kind of the, the atmosphere that's going on there, I think anybody really could because this could probably take place in – you know, the late 70s, early 80s, early 90s. It, do, it doesn't really have a, a time feel to it, the, the then. So, and the now yeah. obviously would be now. I, yeah, I agree. I think I saw, I'll have to go back and look. I think I saw a snippet of when 
the year was that uh, when the kids were young and when they were supposed to have moved into the house and all of this was happening while they lived there. But I'd have to double check. Um, but it does seem kind of timeless. I do like some of the uh, costume design. The feel of the house, of course, it's an old, old house. You can tell not a lot's probably changed over the years. It hasn't, you know, it's not like it's got this brand new updated kitchen and things like that. Um so, and then, like, you have, like, the, the Dudleys. Mrs. Dudley looks very, I mean, you. it's hard to tell what time era you're looking at, you know, when she's on the screen, because she could be from the friggin' 40s. Yeah. She could be 70s, 80s. She could just be a frumpy, sorry, I hope I'm not offending anyone if you dress like that. <laughs> <laughs> she looks a little frumpy, and it just looks like it's hard to pinpoint the era. Same with um, their mom. Um uh, Olivia, I think they call her Liv. Um, she's always in these like beautiful silky robes, you know. Well, she she came out to talk with um, Stephen, and when Stephen and the 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 Dudley woman was there, like she looked very much like she could have been a hippie. Like this could have yeah. been like, felt like the seventies feel because it was just like oh, you know, we we let him check out all different religions, and they didn't mention Star Wars, so obviously not all religions. <laughs> not Jedi, Jedi. obviously. <laughs> The number one. Um, <laughs> yeah, she. it, it all looks kind of timeless. And, and some things with the costume design and, and the set design, it's kind of hard to kind of pinpoint exactly, at least uh, in, in, in the then era, I'll say. So, yeah, I like it. I like it. Okay. Did we get to your – was that your number four? That was my number four, yeah. So okay. we're on your number, number three. three. Okay, so number three. Uh, so the 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 main, I'm going to say, like, ghost that we have for this episode, the bet neck lady scared the bejesus out of me. Um, I didn't like her. Um, and if I saw her hovering over me like Nell did, I think I'd have some issues too. Yeah. Um, so what do we know about her? So we know that she's the ghost that torments young Nell. She comes back. When Nell is older, that's not a good sign, right? You think that you're done with that. You think you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're dealing with the trauma of what happened to you as a child and this shit that messed you up, and here it comes back again. Um, well, and I mean, you think about like, so this has probably been what twenty years since this happened. Yeah, probably. And the dad wakes up to, I'm guessing the bent neck lady, and maybe it was his wife. I'm not sure in his bed in his dream. And this is the thing. It's like, no, I want that place locked up. The only people I can get in and out is the Dudleys. Nobody uh-huh. else in, nobody else out. And you've been, theoretically, from what at least we know from this first episode, they were all pretty safe for the last 20 years. And then to get that phone call from your daughter to be like, the bent neck lady's back. Yeah. And you're not in the house. I mean, that's kind of like the ring type stuff. It's like, okay, we Ugh. figured it out. We're safe. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, God, your TV's all crackling. And here comes the... Mm-mm. You know, girl out of, the coming out of the screen. No, well, Blech. thank you, Sean, because I will not sleep now tonight because you brought up you brought up the ring, which is one of my uh, movies I can never watch again. <laughs> watch the first time that damn Samara coming out of the TV will haunt me till the end of my day. <laughs> <laughs> ah! um, she looked a lot like Samara, right? Kind of had a that bit, long, yeah. stringy, dark hair, kind of covering her face a little bit in the shadow, just a little bit. Um, ugh, that's probably why she uh, kind of gave me the shivers uh, whenever I saw her, because she reminded me a lot of Samara. Um, so, yeah, that's a little weird. It seems like everything was pretty contained within the house. So why is she seeing her now? When she's not at the house, but she is, and it 
somehow triggers Nell to go back to Hill House. And we see glimpses of her dancing. Like she's dancing with a partner, but there's no one there. Yeah, that's so creepy. It wasn't like she was... It wasn't like I do when I'm dancing by myself here in my or <laughs> dance with my dogs um, and do my silly things. Um, you know, uh, I probably shouldn't admit those things. People are going to think I'm crazy. But, what's, um, what's the song you dance to? It, it's it's my Friday dance off every Friday. I'm so excited. It, <laughs> it, it varies. It just it kind of depends on what kind of mood I'm in. I think I did one little funny video where I was doing Eminem. Um, it could be Guns N' Roses, it could be Queen, just whatever I'm feeling at the moment, something that gets me pumped, so happy that it's Friday and it's the weekend and my freaking work is over. It varies. Um, but I'm not, I'm not doing this beautiful little dance like Nell is, you know, where she is kind of, you know, swaying across the floor, you know, delicately and gracefully. That's Did for you sure. catch her face in that though? I felt like <sighs> it didn't look like she was doing this for fun. Like it wasn't like no. her own, it almost looked like it was like forced. Yeah. Like she wasn't like she was almost possessed, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Possessed to an extent where like her body's possessed, but her mind's still there and she's like, I don't want to be doing this, like I'm scared kind of thing. Yes. Well, and I think she seemed to suffer did you get the feeling she's suffering from like a sleep paralysis or something? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I can when see she's it. Because when she's sleeping on the couch, it's like she's uh completely frozen and she can just barely move like one of her fingers. Um, it's like she can't move. Well, it's that's like, kind of what the uh, the lady said. Like whenever she saw her husband, she fell out of bed. And she was like, "You just stare at it." Like what she says, "Yeah, you stare at it like an idiot." Mm-hmm. And then it's like all of a sudden you remember, "Oh yeah, I can scream." So it's like you know they're sucking your energy out at that moment or something like that. I've never. Well, I take that back. I've experienced a few times where I've woken up and I feel like I can't move, which might just be a situation of. I'm sure there's a scientific ex- explanation for it. I'm sure I'm not like. Having a bent neck woman standing, you know, laying on top of me. <laughs> Are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> Try to oh make it inappropriate. I can't think of anything. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, like in that moment, you're kind of freaked out, but then you can start moving and, and get get around. But I mean, it's 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 just that thought of like you know, humans get you, know, you hear it all the time. Humans get so scared at something that they freeze. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, deer in the headlights type thing and. Like, could you imagine being a five-year-old girl and having that happen? Or even a five-year-old boy, just girl because she's a girl. But being that young at an age and having something that traumatic where you freeze. And you know probably – well, I guess maybe not since stuff happened. But, you know, I'm guessing she was probably told for her whole life. It's like, well, you, that's just – you're just your imagination or dreams. Like that didn't actually happen. Because mm-hmm. her dad talks about dreams and kids and how – you know, kids' imaginations are so you know wild that when you wake up, sometimes they spill over. Spill over, yeah. I, ugh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I there is a such thing as being frozen in terror. I mean, that's a saying for a reason. I, I believe that I have been frozen in terror, not so much for that, but um, you know, I'm terribly fearful of snakes, and if I get surprised, but now if I see it coming, like you know, you're in a zoo and. They've got this big snake out for everyone. Come, you know, I, I see it and I can I can process it and I can just go around it and get away from it and I'm fine. Yeah. But if I get surprised by one, I have literally been frozen in terror. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. I, I need uh, therapy or, or drugs. I don't know. But um, it's a thing and it exists. I've literally you can't move and it's terrifying because you are scared shitless and you want to run and you can't. <laughs> you just you're frozen. So it's a thing. But you know, so this ghost shows back up. 
and it's mysterious. We don't know what's happening. Poor Nell. You're right. She seems completely, it's like the lights are on, but nobody's home. Yeah. You know, and that was scary to, yeah, to, to see that. And then she shows up in Stephen's apartment. We kind of mentioned that already. And it's like, you know, you know, it's, yeah, it's something, something's happened and it's mm-hmm. not good. And she's, you just know when you see her, it's like, you don't even have to be told and it's terrifying and she can't talk. He's, he's just going on and on. And then, you know, he gets on the phone with his dad. He turns around, boom, she's there, does her scream. Uh, I wanted to fall out of my bed. Like Steven fell on his ass. Um, I kind of knew it was coming, but even though I knew it was coming, I still wasn't prepared for it. And like you said, now Steven has seen his ghost. Um, Mm. And then it's Nell's death that I think is what is going to push this family back together. I don't know if it's going to be in a good way or a bad way, but it's going to force them, I think, to have to deal with this and confront it. And um, I don't know. I'm kind of anxious to see what happens next. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think they're going to call the Winchester brothers. And get them in there. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, that's, I uh, like, of the things in this world I hope never happen. I hope, like, my family never calls me to arms to go and, like, fight a ghost. Uh, uh-uh. But, but yeah, it's, I mean, you've already seen a few episodes, like you said, but, mm-hmm. you know, what's, you know, there's just so many questions. Like, you know, is this a family that was chosen for a reason? You know, was this a family that just found themselves the wrong place at the wrong time? Right. Um. You know, you think like Amityville Horror, that's kind of what that was. The family bought a house, they got it cheap, they found out, oh crap, there was a serial killer, or not serial killer, just a really bad murder that happened here, and all of a sudden, guess what? Dad goes crazy and they leave. Yeah. Um, you know, is that, like, they're, you know, the, they weren't bad people, they just found themselves at the wrong place at the wrong time, and that's kind of what I feel like this probably happens. Yeah, which, because I don't, it wasn't like they're family right this wasn't like a family home this yeah. was just a house they're flipping like hey we're just yep. gonna buy this house and flip it and move on it sounds like that's the thing that the mom and dad did they bought houses all the time they flipped them and made some money um so, yeah i just don't know I, it's i don't it's know interesting i know what's your number three so my number three, it's it's probably pretty short because we don't really know much about it but i want to know what's behind the red door Yes. Um, oh, well, I don't know, know if I do. I don't know. That was scary. That scared uh, me. <laughs> and what's oh, what's so creepy about it is like you know, uh, young uh, Shirley was saying that she saw something behind there. Like maybe it's a unicorn. It's like uh, or no, she said maybe it's a pony. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's a pony, it's like it's been back there for a long time and it's dead. Well, whatever's back there is dead. Yeah, uh, probably. It ain't good. But, you know, while they're messing with it, you see the shadow, you see the footprints. Like it was standing there waiting for them, and the key doesn't work, and they run off, and it just moves. Now I'm telling you this rumor right now. If if I ever go into a house and I'm looking at it, I'm like, I'll buy it, and they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, there's this door that we can't open, so mm-hmm. we don't know what's behind it. I'm not buying that house until that door gets open. No. No, we talked about that in Castle Rock. Remember in Castle Rock, the basement yeah, was no, padlocked, point, yeah. and the new people o- uh, opened up the the uh, spoilers for if you haven't seen Castle Rock yet. The the folks bought it to open up the Airbnb, and they're like, "Hmm, I wonder what's down there. I wonder what that is." And, and I'm like, yeah. "How? Why do you buy a house if you don't know every single?" door if there's a door and you can't open it i want to know what's in there before i buy it yeah there could be 
drugs. There could be dead bodies. There could be an awesome bar. There could be an awesome finished basement. I mean, you don't know. Like don't that's know. what you want to see. Yeah, but no, not in the creep. There, but there ain't gonna be nothing good in that creepy house. There oh ain't no, good. yeah. No. But that's actually a good point, Rima. Like, if you ever sell your house, just lock one of the doors and be like, oh, yeah, you can't open it. And then you just say, like, oh, well, there's, like, a jacuzzi, there's an indoor pool, there's a full bar. Like, there's tons of stuff, but you can't open it yet. You can't can't have it yet. Yeah, Yeah. raise that price of your house. I know, because then people want to buy it just so they can know, right? Yep, that's right. And then they open it, it's like, oh, skunked again. People love a mystery. But ain't nothing good coming out of that. You were just talking about that. And I'm still, I'm getting goosebumps. I can't even sit here and like think about it. I'm sitting here alone in this room all by myself. And all I can think about is fucking shadows under the door. <laughs> well, I keep seeing stuff move behind you too. <laughs> Shut up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> Made me look. <laughs> no, but yeah, but it's, you know, and it's a red door too. And like uh, the, the skeleton key, the skeleton key that the Dudley, the guy who's you know, watched over this place for so many years, didn't even work. And Mm-mm. he did like, he doesn't even know what's back there. Like if you knew somebody watched over this house for 20 years and like, yeah, I don't know what's back there. Fuck if I know. It's like, Oh, well, well that doesn't smart seem enough. good. They don't stay there after dark. They're smart. Yeah. They get the hell out of there. They don't stay in that house. Oh. And when uh, the Mrs. Dudley lady was talking about, it's like, Oh, well we live right on the edge of the property or right past the edge of the property it's like yeah. fuck no we don't live here you know what happens here not oh, good stuff like we're not even going to live in a guest house on this property yeah. it's like it's like this bubble that surrounds mm-hmm. this house and the whole entire property if if you're in this bubble uh, uh you're you're going to be affected bad shit's gonna happen you don't want to be around it so they're not even on the property yeah i i i, I caught that i was I waiting was for like like steven kept saying it's like well i mean there's so many rooms why don't you just stay here and waiting for like the mom to be like, oh yeah, there's plenty of room. Why don't you guys just stay here? And Miss Dudley be like, shut the fuck up. I don't want to stay yeah, here. I don't want to fucking stay here with your creepy ass fucking ghosts. <laughs> oh, did I say ghost? Uh, I mean, this place is haunted. I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> fuck this. It's like the house is alive. It's not even just the ghosts. It's like the house itself. I mean, it's like that that room. I don't even know what that is that, that Nell was uh, doing her little dance. There's all these statues. It looks like this yeah. marble floor and these statues. It's like the just... Just this weird – I can feel that freaking house alive through a fictional TV show. I feel mm. how alive that house is. It's like the statues are alive. It's like the house is watching you, and it's not even just the ghosts that are watching you uh, and that are there peeking around every corner. The house itself just seems alive, and no, no. Yeah, I'm going to go on record right now, too. I'm not buying a house with a bunch of statues. No. Like, for one – like. Sometimes I like to walk around naked. I don't want those things judging me. No judgment. No. Yeah, exactly. No. I, I'm the same. No, I don't. Well, I have a thing about dolls uh, and, uh, yeah, and statues and things like that remind me of like dolls, like things staring at me or something. Um, and it just creeps me the hell out. They'd all have to be removed. We can't, we can't have any of that. It's too weird. I can't even have, like, if you, have you ever draped, like, have a chair in your room or something, and you know the chair that Uh, always has clothes draped over it, and they drape just in a certain way, and you're in the dark, and there's, like, just enough of a shadow casting on them, it looks like somebody is sitting there staring Mm. at you. (laughs) It's not in this room now. I've got a big, like, three-foot Ninja Turtle that is a toy chest. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It's scared me numerous times. It's actually in our (laughs) living room now. 
And I, I wait for the day somebody tries to break in because they're going to see that and shit themselves. <laughs> and then my 120-pound dog is going to come run out and bite him in the nard. So we don't need a security system here. We've got a Ninja Turtle got Ninja and a Turtle. big-ass dog. And your dog. He'll take him down, and our little ones will start gnawing on their ankles. So we're all set. Basically what I'm saying is don't break into my house. I love that. <laughs> oh, my God, Oh my gosh, we have veered off so much on this podcast. You're going to have so much editing to do. (laughs) But that's my number three is just what's behind the red door. I'm scared to find out. I really don't want to know what the hell's shuffling underneath that door and that Uh -uh. just, just, I don't even have to see it. It's like the jaw, it's like jaws. I don't even have to see the shark to be afraid of the damn shark. And I'm scared of whatever shadow is being, whatever's casting that shadow. Um, I'm good at this point. I'm good. Let the mystery remain. And speaking of mysteries, that's my number two is lingering mysteries. So we're only on episode one. Of course, we're not going to get a whole bunch of answers yet. We got to keep watching. Right. And I know that. But a couple lingering mysteries and questions I have. What or who is the bent neck lady? Mm-hmm. She's creeping me out. I feel like she's significant. So we're probably going to there's probably a story there. Um, who's Abigail? That's who Lucas was seeing mm-hmm. um, in a blue dress, I believe. Uh, what happened to Liv? I think we're going to talk about that. I know I'm going to be talking about that here in a minute, but what happened to Liv? Uh, why did Nell uh, commit suicide? Uh, why is Steven such a fun sucker? Sorry, no, he's 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 too cute, but it's he's, he kind of just sucks the life out of him. Like he, t- he just took the wind out of the sails of that poor lady, right? She was all like... You know, yeah. excited about sharing her ghost story. And he's just kind of like, ah, I didn't see it. She's like, you didn't? You didn't see yeah. it? And she's all bummed. So he kind of sucked the life out of that one anyway. Um, why was Luke robbing Steven? Yeah, fucking broke his door down. Yeah. So just a couple, couple little questions. It's a really just kind of short, but I just think. You know, the, these are some of the mysteries. I probably need to, like, keep track of these or something. I need, like, a spreadsheet, keep track of all of these, and um, see if we get some answers and see what happens. I, I just, I love the intrigue. I love where the story is going. It's really pulling me in. I I, I just, I'm, I think this is really great storytelling so far. I love the direction. I think the directing is great. There's so many great things about the show that I'm loving. So that's, but that's it. Lingering Mysteries is my number two. I like it. Uh, so my number two is probably pretty short too, but, uh, we learned from Miss Dudley, um, you know, Steven and her are talking in the kitchen and he mentions finding some stuff in the, one of the rooms and we end up finding out that there's a lot of occult type things. There's, you know, Ouija boards, tarot cards, Mm -mm. which, you know, back in the, was it like the thirties and forties? And we saw that with Maniac where they had a whole like occult, like gathering where they're coming to like, you know, get the spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Doing a seance and like. You know, you have the person who like projectiles like ectoplasm, I think is what it was typically called. And, you know, that's stuff that like I don't – that makes me super nervous and uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, like Ouija boards. Mm-mm. Don't do it. Not a fan. Don't do um, it. I uh, – it's been a couple of Broloweens ago, but Richard and I kind of talked about personal scary experiences and – him and I were talking about Ouija boards and before, before the episode, like when we were just friends working at the restaurant, I mentioned like joking around about it and he like walks around the kitchen, grabs me, goes, don't do it. Like don't mess with that stuff Mm -mm. and just walk back and start working. And finally he told me the story. He, he had a Ouija board 
And he basically was by himself and asked it a question, and it moved on its own. Mm-mm. And from that point on, he's just never messed with it. And that's kind of the stuff here, like tarot cards, Ouija boards, seances. Like, I feel like if that stuff is real, doing stuff like that is just asking for trouble. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in our last episode for Broloween we did, we had a investigation expert, paranormal investigation expert Jason on, and he was talking about a lot of the stuff that he's been through. And it's just, you know, uh just it, it feels like you're you're just asking for trouble if you get too too into that. You are asking for trouble. Um I don't like I said, I don't like to open up a lot about what what I know. Just just no. Just say no to Ouija boards. Just be careful what you get yourself into and dabble. I understand the curiosity and where that comes from. I just just say no. That is my best advice. And I, you know, if I if I well, I haven't seen one in many years. But if I walk into a room, open a door to a closet, something like that, and see one, I'm getting the hell out of there. I just <laughs> I don't want to be anywhere yeah. around it. It's just not a good idea. Someone, we had a listener, um, and I apologize that I don't have it in front of me and I don't remember exactly. I didn't know you were going to mention it. Otherwise, I would have looked it up prior to this recording. We did have a listener that sent us a, I guess there's a Stranger Things Ouija board uh, (laughs) that they made. And they're like, oh, check this out. And I'm like, I I get the idea. I get the fun part of it. But no. I'm yeah, sorry. pull I, from I, a distance. Don't want to see it. I I don't, and I'm like, and I'm hoping you don't either. So they're like, no, it's not gonna get out of the box. It's cool. So I'm like, if, okay, uh, just you know, just if you want to make yourself feel like more comfortable with Ouija boards, there's a I don't know if you did you ever watch the Whitest Kids You Know? No. It's a, a skit comedy group that they used. They were on a couple different channels, but they had a skit where basically a demon, like being the Ouija board demon, was like like them getting demoted. And so you see this demon go and like he's doing this whole like Ouija board. It's a bunch of girls. They're like, does Tommy like me? And it moves to yes. They're like, hee hee hee. Should I go ask Steve for a date? It's great oh stuff. Oh my gosh. That sounds really funny. If only it were that humorous yeah. in real life. It's terrible. Just just say no to Ouija boards. Yeah, I'm with you. But yeah, my number two is uh, it seems like it could be a red herring, um, but it's just mm-hmm. kind of laying some groundwork for, oh, well, this house, there looks to be some occult-type paraphernalia. <laughs> so what does that mean? Well, what do you expect in a house full of of such strang- strange going-ons? And, you know, a lot of the theories with things like Ouija boards and things like that, when you do a seance or whatever, a lot of people, theories uh, that talk about, um, you know, when you start messing with things like that, you just, you don't know what you're welcoming into the area that you're in, the house that you're in, or just opening yourself up for, you know, you don't know, like you think that you're talking, if you believe in that anyway, and you're doing that, that you, you think you're talking to a certain spirit or something that you think that because they identify themselves, that's who they really are, but you really don't know. Um, and you just don't know what you're opening yourself up to that really, I believe does open up some type of door. It can, I like said, I won't say any more than that, but um, you just got to be careful, man. You just, I've heard more bad than good. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So my number one, uh, let's talk about the incident. That's what I'm calling it. The incident. So we know that there have been some hauntings that have happened. We see some things that happened to Nell She's being tormented by the bent neck lady. We know that Luke is seeing some things as well. And by the way, isn't Luke like the cutest kid ever? Yeah. 
I mean, in his big goofy, you know, glasses, um, he's adorable. And then to see him grown and looking so twitchy and bags under his eyes and just, you're like, Oh, he's not doing well. So to see him go from this cute little kid to how we see him as an adult is just breaks my heart. But we know that there's these hauntings that are happening. And so while the cranes are flipping this house, the, all the hauntings culminate into this one big event. And I thought what was really cool is because this does seem to be a Steven centric episode is we get Steven's perspective. Uh, he's in bed. His dad comes in, tells him to wake up. They have to go, but there's something out there. So he shuts the door. Oh my God. This was so goddamn creepy. I, oh yeah. I just wanted to piss myself. And I watched all, I'll say I watched most of these episodes at nighttime. I, I would watch, um, the ones that I did see were at night before I went to bed and yeah, I don't know why I do these things to myself. I, I'm <laughs> a fucking masochist, I guess. Um, so I'm super creeped out. His dad locks the door. Something comes to the door and tries to open it. Now it's not violent. And I think that's what is probably even more scary because don't you kind of expect something to kind of grab the door yeah, and either shake, shake it. it, shake the door or shake the doorknob or, or move it violently. But no, it's this nice, slow, mm-hmm. methodical turning. And to me, that was more disturbing than if somebody is on the other or something is on the other side, just banging away, trying to get in. Um, well, I mean, it's like the slow, like serial killer, like walking through a room while you're under the bed. Yeah. You know, it's like being chased, like there's adrenaline and stuff. But when you're you're hiding and quiet, it's like looking around and waiting and you see that lion face turn yeah. both ways. And ugh. Oh, no, 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 no. So I really like and appreciate that. So they give it a minute after it stops. His dad pokes open the door, tells he's like, okay we got to go. You have to close your eyes and I'm going to carry you. And I'm thinking, damn, Stephen, I don't remember. I don't know if, if we, or if we're told exactly the age of all of the children here, but Stephen looks to be like, he's almost like teenager. He's going to be 12, 13 years old. I'm thinking he's not a little kid, man. And he's almost as big as you are, but Hey, dad's determined. He's like, I'm carrying you out. Close your eyes. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, keep your eyes closed. And I'll be damned. They turn this corner as they're running down the hall and something comes around that goddamn corner and I about pissed myself. <laughs> and you're like, what is it? What is it? What is it? But we don't see mom anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So aren't we thinking, okay, why is dad the one in here? Where's mom at? Yep. They get out. They get outside and jump in the car and no mom. Yeah. And you know, like whatever the dad seen, like, I don't think he can explain any of it. Mm-mm. And so, you know, it's like, well, we got to go back for mom. It's like, probably he saw something that was like, she's, she's gone. Your mom's not there anymore. Yeah. It's not mom is what and he, he said. Had to have made, he had to have made five trips to the car. So he left like baby Theodore out there by herself. Yeah. He left the two youngest kids out there by himself. He left Shirley out there by himself. And Steven was the last one he grabbed. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Well, and Steven, when he, because he jumps in the back of the station wagon and looks up into, I don't know if it was a second or third floor window and sees something in the window, whatever it was that came around that corner in the hallway, was looking at like the window. Looks like a woman. And I think it's their mom. That's what I was expecting, too. But we don't know that 100%. You don't, I mean, you can just kind of tell from the, the clothes, kind of the hair just a little bit, but I don't know what the hell. And it's, it's, it freaked 
freaked the shit out of me. And I like that we got Steven's perspective. I hope that we get more out of that story and what the hell happened. What was your take on all of that? Uh, I mean, you touched on a lot of it. It's, it's, it kind of leads into my number one a little bit where I kind of talk about the broken family. I feel like it all started that night. Like each one of them, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing we're probably going to see how that night went for all of them. And each one of them had to be a very traumatic event for each one. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm guessing some of them probably saw whatever it was that was chasing them. Maybe they were there when, if their mom was possessed, was in the room with them and their dad saved them. Mm-hmm. And at that age, you're like, wait, why Why are you trying to take me away from mom? Or why is mom trying to hurt me? Or why is mom hurting herself? Like, there's so many creepy things that can happen with this event that we don't know. Yes. And I think, like, what's great about this, like, this is this probably, I'm, I'm not sure how the whole season is going to play out, but this maybe could have been, like, a, a two-and-a-half-hour movie, if, mm-hmm. if, depending on how they do all of it. But the fact that we're watching this week-to-week gives it that much more of a creepiness, too, because you're, like, our minds is probably going to make whatever happen. Our, or we're, our minds are going to make, like, a hundred different stories out of this one episode. Yeah. To what we're actually going to get. So we're going to freak ourselves out a hundred different ways, and they're going to give us a hundred and first way to, to freak, freak ourselves out. For sure. And it's... uh. Yeah, I mean, you see him leave. He did close his eyes, it looks like. Um, You know, they get to the bottom of the stairs. They get out. The door slams. They get in the car. And, you know, again, it's it's the situation of being young enough. You're like, well, where's mom? Like, why are we leaving mom at the house? You can't leave mom at the house. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And then we learn um, the tabloids go crazy with it, which Steven sits in there with their dad and a lawyer, it seems like. So not only is it like a scary in that moment, but the repercussions from that you know, just went on from non-supernatural just to more like regular legal custody type stuff. So, uh, oh, yeah, I'm really, I'm going to, I'm really excited, curious to see what's happening. Yeah. Um, definitely. We just got a little piece and we only got one perspective and there are four other kids and a dad, uh, so far. And speaking of dad, I didn't mention it earlier. Um, young dad is played by Henry Thomas. Um, did you recognize him from E.T.? He was mm. Elliot in E.T. Elliot. I didn't know. That, that's young Elliot. He's been in other things. He, he has been a working actor. I've seen him in other, other things, but I think that's probably what most folks would know him from. Oh, um, I remember is, him from Legends of the Fall. Yeah, he was in Legends of the Fall. He was yeah. one of the three brothers. Uh, I think he was the youngest, right, in Legends of the Fall? I'd assume so, because, yeah, he had been pretty young when that came out. Yeah. Because it was 82 when E.T. came out and 94 when Legends of the Fall came out. Um, the one thing I was very intrigued by him was he had some super deep blue eyes yes very like felt very like vampire um underworld type vampire eyes to me uh but that's what really stood out yeah i didn't know if that was contacts that they were using i don't know if it was lighting something that they used or something as they were filming but i noticed that too they just they did look a little otherworldly they had a like a glow yeah to them or something just really kind of weird so um so yeah i, I saw that it was he's always welcome uh, you know i i love seeing him and things i think he's really great and then older dad is played by tim matheson which he's also a really great actor i thought that was a really kind of cool surprise as well so seen him in lots of things. And he was, uh, what, in the dark half in Stephen King, that movie? I believe he was in that one. But um, super cool to see him. It's a great cast. Carla, Carla, is it Gugino? 
I'm going to butcher her name. She, I'm, I'm terrible with names as the mom. She plays Liv. Um, she's fantastic. And uh, she was in the newest adaptation that Netflix did of Gerald's Game that came out, I think, February oh, yeah, of this that. year. God, if you guys haven't seen Gerald's Game yet, the one that Netflix did, watch it. It is so well done. Um, and I believe... God, my I have all of this written down, and I swear that my brain just went blank. Uh, Mike Flanagan, uh, the showrunner, the director. Sorry, maybe not the showrunner, but the, he's the director, and he's the one um, that that redid this whole house on Haunted Hill. Um, haunted, what the hell? Haunting on Hill House. Put the haunting drinks away. House. Yeah. Put the drinks away. Um, he did Gerald's Game. Oh, okay. This new and so I mean if you if you're if you're liking this one so far I think you'll really like Gerald's game but anyway I keep digressing a lot during this one what is your number one uh, my number one we talked a lot about it, is just kind of the broken family so you know we, the event kind of leads up to it we see how each of them's they they stay in contact it seems but yeah. not close enough that they go out to help each other and they're all spread out throughout the country mm-hmm. um so we've already kind of touched on it a little bit but yeah it's just really kind of how this family's ended up kind of falling apart and breaking and you know i think that's what you're going to see how all that happened from here they're um, not communicating at all they're mad at dad cuz yeah. steven's like dad won't talk about what happened i don't know what happened you know um they're all mad at steven and uh, they think Nell's crazy, so they're messed up. Hmm. All right, so some notes. I talked about Luke already. Um, so, if for anyone that doesn't know, if you don't already have the background about what this show was adapted from, it is adapted from a real novel from Shirley Jackson, and the opening paragraph. This is. A very famous um, among fans, clearly, of Shirley Jackson, but also the horror genre in general. Um, If you love horror genre novels, um, Stephen King certainly gives this novel of hers a lot of praise. Um, So the opening paragraph, which was also spoken by Stephen uh, when the show, this episode one first begins, is just beautiful. And I'm going to, apparently this is super famous because it really gives you a chill. And I know it did me reading it and also hearing it when Stephen spoke it in the beginning. It goes, no live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. Even larks and caddydids are supposed by some to dream. Hill House, not sane, stood by itself against its hills, holding darkness within. It had stood for 80 years and might stand for 80 more. Within, uh, walls continued upright, bricks met neatly, floors were firm, and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there walked alone. Mm. Ooh! Gives me chills. Gives me chills. Um, I just, I thought that was beautiful. And now I want to read the book. Have you read the book? I haven't. Um, I was just kind of looking her up. She actually died in 1965. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a, uh, I don't know if they give her a writing credit. Yeah, they give her a writing credit for this. Nice. Well, I know um, it's, I know it's not um, exact as the novel. The, the, he's taken some liberties, which I thought was funny that, 
they talk about Stephen in the show when he's writing oh, his, yeah, yeah. his books. He kind of takes some liberties, but he's respectful. That kind of makes you feel like, is Mike Flanagan kind of talking yeah. about himself a little bit, that he's kind of adapting this? He's not sticking to exactly, because I guess the premise is a little bit different in the novel as far as like there's like this group of strangers that go to kind of investigate the house or stay in the house. So they've taken that and made it into a family. So he's kind of made it his own just a little bit, but kind of still staying true to some of it. And I think he's definitely got the creepy factor. Apparently it's a really great book and super scary. And so now I really want to read it. Um, so if, if you listeners have read the book, let me know. Um, should I read it? Is it recommended? A few other notes. This is something that I hope to include weekly in my notes. So something that I did notice that scared Again, the bejesus out of me as I'm sitting there watching. If you, when young Henry is in his room and his dad is kind of preparing him to, when the incident is happening and he's telling him as the, you know, the doorknob's turning, they're going through this whole thing in Stephen's room. Did you see anything standing behind Stephen? It looked like there was something back there. So apparently what I'm finding out, and I'm trying to not read too much because I'm going to get spoiled since all of the episodes are out there and news is out there about all the episodes. But what I'm gathering is, is in all the episodes, there are hidden ghosts. Uh, some you, you some you see, some you might have to watch a couple times uh, oh, to, cool. to see them. So here are the hidden ghosts for episode one. Y'all let me know if you caught them all. Um, because I caught at least two of them, but there are four. The first one is the ghost under the stairs. Um, so before we've even met a member of the Crane family or seen an obvious ghost, the haunting of Hill House presents us with an image in which something is barely perceptibly wrong. Look carefully between the stairs as the camera pans through the house in the first minute of episode one, and you'll see a face looking between the rails. Mm. Uh, the man behind Stephen. Some of Flanagan's smartest moves are what could be called fake outs. While Stephen and his father are panicking about whatever's in the hall turning the knob, they don't bother to notice the figure standing behind the poor child. Well, I did, and it's given me chills just reading about it. Yeah, I'm um, chills now. Thanks. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I do literally have goosebumps. The figures in the foyer. Uh, as Stephen and his father flee the house, they don't have time to turn around and see that they're not alone in the foyer. Look behind the stairs and you'll see several figures watching them run. They almost resemble the masked characters from The Strangers. Mm. I saw these with screenshots too, and that didn't help me at all. Uh, <laughs> I'll look at those in the morning. <laughs> yeah, let's wait till it's bright and shiny and I'll look at those. Last one, the face behind the clock. This is another one of those hauntings that comes when the cranes don't even seem to sense that there's anything wrong. As Olivia interrupts Mrs. Dudley speaking to Steve about the Gospels, someone or something is eavesdropping from behind the clock in the room. The one they did, I guess maybe because it was too obvious, but when we were in Nell's room, mm-hmm. as we were panning away, something started moving in on her. Yes. Did you see that? I saw it. Uh, okay. I don't. I didn't list it because I don't know that that was hidden. That seemed to be okay. like yeah, what, you're you're seeing it. I don't. I think you had maybe if you blinked, um, you might have missed it. But it wasn't what I consider hidden, and it wasn't listed under the hidden ghosts. Whenever I was doing my, but yes, I saw that uh, because it it almost made me pee myself. <laughs> it's like great. We're five minutes into this, and I've already peed twice. Yeah, I, I I'm like one of my dogs. I'm peeing every five minutes. <laughs> 
All right, that's all my notes. What do you got? Uh, let's see. So for notes, what I have, one, that spiral staircase to get up to the red room. <gasps> yeah. um, oh, I love that. Like if I have a house with something like that, I'll be extremely excited because it, I love those like spiral iron staircases. I'm going full 70s, man. Give me a sp- spiral staircase. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned 303. All of them wake up at the exact same moment. It's 1203 in some places, but 303 was the time that it happened uh, on Hill House. That's the witching hour. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah, I did. Is it three to four? Is it? Some people, the the common mistake is people think it's midnight is the witching hour and it's actually 3 a.m. is the witching Mm -hmm. hour. And, and I don't know yet if we, if I don't know what 303 means in this house, if it's just the witching hour, but yeah, they all wake up and they all seem to have some sort of connection, right? Because that's when whatever happens to Nell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's probably, yeah, it's a good point. It's probably when she... Because she's dancing in the house, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if that had something to do with that moment. Because she's kind of like, they all grabbed their throats like they were choking. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if that plays a part. Because you think like the bent neck lady, a lot of times when you see like, um, I mean, I guess, you know, hangings, you see people, their necks get broken. Uh-huh. So I wonder if that's kind of part of it. Um, and like maybe that's what happened to Nell with her suicide maybe. Um, we'll have to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that the wife, um, Olivia, it was a suicide. At least that's what they're saying. Um, I was kind of curious when, when, uh, um, what's the dad's name? Um, Hugh, is that his name? <laughs> yeah. Hugh, Mr. Crane. Um, as he uh, is packing all his stuff and hurrying to get out, he was talking to somebody and I guess maybe he was talking on the phone and like, but it seemed like he was, Talking to somebody that wasn't there. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he was. And so it kind of gave me a feel like maybe it was talking to his dead wife, but we know, maybe, well, kind of know that his wife maybe didn't die on the best terms. So, you know, is he talking to a ghost? Is he talking on his cell phone? I'm not sure, but just kind of, kind of one of those things that kind of made me like, get that like, that, that doesn't seem right. They're all a little bit off. That's for sure. Uh, and one of the best lines, we talked about the banana one that I thought was really good, but the other one I thought was when Stephen was talking about he's seeing ghosts in many, many ways. And he talks about, he says, you know, they could be a memory, a daydream, a secret, a grief, uh, guilt. Um, it's just what we want to see. Many times ghost, it's, it's just a wish. Um, and I thought that was really kind of interesting. You know, when you have the the wife whose husband passed away in a very – horrible accident she thinks she sees him and you have the kid that was talking with um shirley about how he didn't want to say goodbye to his grandma because he sees her all the time and you know kids are creepy but they may not get the whole idea (laughs) you know he's like you know she's in my room every night sitting on the edge of the bed you know you know stroking my hair stroking my back which seems like cute and innocent but he's like but her eyes must hurt because she never blinks and those are always things like yeah it's like you know I guess maybe I'm a cynic. Like if, if my grandma showed up that's passed away, I'd be like, is that really my grandma? Like that would be my first reaction. It's like, it's probably like an evil force taking advantage of me. <sighs> yes. But, Cause they're everywhere. But that's my notes. Um, like I said, I'm fully invested in this and now I have to watch even deeper for hidden ghosts. So yeah. Um, I, I'll admit I didn't catch all of them on my own, but, um, after, seeing the screenshots I was like oh my god there it was right there in plain sight how did that get 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 by me um so yeah really really great I'm really loving this series so far it's 
fantastic. And I can't wait to see what happens next. And I promise I'll remember all the names next time. All right. So now we are going to get to the news this week. Um, the one item that I have so far, this is from Variety. So this was uh, taken from an interview that they they did with uh, Mike Flanagan. So the man behind Hush, Absentia, Gerald's Game, and the upcoming Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep, has become accustomed to having constantly escalate tension while simultaneously offering reveals to the characters and the audience. But for his 10-episode adaptation of The Haunting of Hill House, he took playing with perspective even farther. He says, I can shamelessly say it was something I learned watching the first season of Lost, Flanagan tells Variety. I love the way that it put me in uh, in one specific character's shoes for an episode and then hand it off. It created this anticipation for me because I said, I can't wait until I get to explore this character. So Flanagan started with Steven's perspective. Um, he said he went in birth order, he explains. Mm. Um, so he went with Steven's perspective in order to create an experience where the audience would sit with one sibling for a while, but then reveal larger truths as their stories began to overlap. The idea was that with families and with life, you think you understand something or someone or a moment and you can't, you really can't. He says, you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg with anybody. Uh, the house itself also became a key character in the story. He says, I wanted the house to feel schizophrenic. I never wanted it to settle into any one particular thing. So the mystery builds, he says, noting that he le- leaned heavily on Patricio Farrell, his production designer, to make the interior of the house as weird as possible, in quotes. Um, I told him, I don't mind if I turn a corner and it's all stone and stained glass and I feel like I'm in a convent. And then I turn another corner and I'm in the hmm. kitchen. I like yeah, that. I like that uh, in the um, intro credits, they kind of showed it almost as like a maze mm-hmm. as it kind of backed out, which I thought was really, really kind of cool. Yes, I agree. I, I I dug it, and and I wanted to include that was one part. I didn't include the entire. If, you, if you're interested, you can go look it up on Variety yourself. There's a, just a little bit more, but I think some of it was getting kind of spoilery. I'm talking about the entire series, so I was trying to snip some parts out relevant to the beginning here. And I really love that piece about the house. Cause like I said, I'm totally fascinated by the house. I think it's great. Um, so that's it for the news. Next we have messages from beyond the red or beyond the room, beyond the red door. Um, it's our listener feedback portion. All right. So our first one comes from Lindsay. She says, I stopped watching an episode 10 when I read you were doing the podcast. So I'm even more on the edge of my seat than normal. <laughs> I totally knew Nellie was a ghost in his apartment, but was so sad to know she was dead. Can't wait to hear you guys break this show down. There's a video on YouTube that shows all the ghosts of the series. I was very proud of the four to five I'd spotted until I saw the video of all 43. Oh, good. We have our work cut out for us. I know, even though knowing that there's going to be hidden ones, I know I'm going to miss them, so I appreciate everyone. um, And you know what that fits in perfectly, too, is that you know, whenever people talk about like if you go into a place you think's haunted, your mind plays more tricks on you than what you actually see. Absolutely. I feel like knowing this, like you're gonna be like, Oh, that was a ghost, oh, that was a ghost, oh, that was a ghost. Exactly. Yeah. We might be doing a disservice because now everyone's gonna be looking for a ghost when there isn't really one there, maybe. because um, mm-hmm. you're just kind of expecting it. Um great feedback, Lindsay. Thanks for writing in. Thanks for stopping. Um and and waiting with us. Appreciate that. Um, next one's from Doug Fick. He says, I watched episode one in the middle of the day and was still freaked. 
when the lady hovers over Nell, butt clench, <laughs> then, <laughs> then you just catch a glimpse of the lady in the nightgown running behind Stephen and Hugh in the hallway, butt clench. <laughs> <laughs> then when the arm comes around Hugh when there was no one in bed with him, oh, double yeah. butt clench. <laughs> like did that weird like face palm on him. Ugh. Oh, like and, smiling too. Ugh, oh, double, ugh. oh, and then at the end, when Nell does the scream, goodbye, Ooh. fruit of the loom. <laughs> <laughs> Going out to buy an eight pack now. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's our great. La- our last message comes from Avelino Rochino. So great start of this enthralling season, season, series. Nell's haunting stare and scream were with me for nights after. Oh, was it? Ever. Um, super great feedback. Thank you, everyone. We do have a voicemail this week from our good friend Steve. Hello, Raymond and Sean. This is, uh, is going to be strange um, sending you voicemails for a, a series that I've watched the entire um, season of that you haven't yet. Um, Lost in Space was similar, but Lost in Space wasn't quite as confusing as this one was, so it's going to be interesting. I'm going to really try to avoid uh, any spoilers, but I have watched this series to the end, uh, but I, it's so good. Uh, I'll give you some some notes specific on Steven Sees a Ghost and remembering back to when I watched it the first time. Uh, first off, Henry Thomas looks a lot like a young Timothy Hutton. I don't know if you saw... Um, Turk 182 or any of those movies that Timothy Hutton did in the 80s, but uh, Timothy Hutton looks a lot like him. He's got a, a really good, similar look. Um, Carla Gugino is hot. <laughs> Don't ever call me Stevie. Just period. Just leave it at that. Don't ever call me Stevie. I don't care who you are or what our relationship is. Don't, don't ever do it. Period. Um... I, I, um, the problem is trying to figure out what, what I can say that won't give away anything because there's so much in this first episode that now I look at it and I, I, as I watch it for the second time, I I see things that I go, oh gosh, how did I miss that? Um, but I, I will say two things to end this voicemail. Number one is he was, uh, Young Hugh was very adamant about Stephen keeping your eyes closed. Don't don't open your eyes. Keep your eyes closed when leaving the house. And I, I thought that was so great. And then the fact that we go through this whole episode, which is entitled "Stephen Sees a Ghost," <laughs> and he doesn't see see a ghost until the end. Uh, just my. Talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Steve, as always, for that amazing voicemail. Um, and thank you to everyone who took the time out to uh, leave us some feedback on Facebook and um, sending in your voicemails. We're really excited. There was lots of excitement when we um, announced this series. Everyone uh, was quite excited because... Uh, it's pretty popular right now. Everybody's really digging it and it's getting a lot of hype. So I'm glad that it turned out great. I'm glad people are excited about it. Thank you so much for the feedback and keep it coming because I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And I also want to thank Steve for 
correcting me. I said it was Tim Matheson. It was Timothy Hutton. So I, I oh, totally okay. got the the last name wrong. Like I said, I've um, had a few drinks and I didn't have it in front of me. Um, there's a, just so many good actors in this and so many that are pretty famous for things. Like I said, Car- Carla Gugino and Henry Thomas and, and Timothy Hutton again, um, that it's hard to keep track and my, my brain is scrambled. So I apologize. It is Timothy Hutton. Thank you, Steve, for the correction. But thank you everyone for the feedback. It's amazing. Yeah. Thanks everybody. All right, so next week we'll be covering the second episode from The Haunting of Hill House titled Open Casket. Mm. So the description of this episode is a devastating family tragedy stirs memories of traumatic losses, reminding Shirley of her first brush with death and awaking long dormant fears. Oh, well, this does not sound like a comedy uh, episode at all. Well, we're really excited for you to join our paranormal investigation. For updates from Hill House, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore Pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like House Podcastica at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed or any of the other great Apple or any of the other great Podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast. Sean, who's going to be on House Podcastica the next episode? <gasps> I am going to be guest starring on the next episode. We are doing Oathbreaker. Is Oathbreaker or Oathkeeper? Oathkeeper. Oathkeeper. I you think should, I wrote you down should, Oathbreaker. You, you probably want to get that right. Kristen's going to be all over you. <laughs> if you, don't, if you don't that was just that a right. test for you, Rhea. Right. right. <laughs> yes, test. Well, now's, now's not a good time for me to be tested. I've had way too much tequila. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited. I can't wait to hear you and Kristen on House Podcastica and talking some Game of Thrones. If you are a Game, and Thro- Game of Thrones enthusiast, check them out. Um, Kristen is amazing and we're super excited to have that up and going again here at Podcastica. And speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean uh, also in his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, comes out every Sunday. Heck yeah, every single Sunday. Mm-hmm. Set your clock all, by it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's our show. Episode 62, Steve Sees a Ghost. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Lindsay Schlitt is strange indeed.